On this episode of the Advanced Foundations Podcast, Basic Training will train you in a spiritual boot camp of disciplines to be prepared to be the Army of God. Uh, welcome to Basic Training. This is part three. Hope you've enjoyed the first two parts. Uh, we've been laying out a foundation about what is basic training about. And just a quick review, when we talk about everybody in a military service has to go through basic training. The purpose for basic training is to help them get into shape so that they can be successful in the military, whatever branch of service they're in. The whole point of that is that they get themselves into a position where they can win. Well, God wants us to do the same thing. He wants us to win. He's won. He wants us to join him in his ministry. And so that's what we're talking about with basic training is understanding the plan that God has for us. So today we're going to really press into a little bit more of the understanding of God's purpose. If you don't understand God's plan and purpose for you, uh, we'll miss it. And the truth is, is that when we, we understand the wilderness and we understand the, what goes on in the wilderness, uh, if we don't really understand what God is trying to do, you know, I'm telling you, you can get upset, bitter, and get angry and all kinds of, of things that are no good. So once you understand God's plan and we can cooperate with God's plan, it changes everything. So that's why we're doing this. As we're talking about, if we can get on his page, what happens is it changes us. And actually, we re begin to realize that, oh, wow, okay, so these things are going on in my life. Instead of looking at them like, oh my gosh, what's wrong, what's bad? You look at it from the standpoint of saying, wow, what, what are you wanting to do here? What are you wanting to change? So let's just look real clear. I want to make this purpose real clear. God has a plan, and his purpose is for us to look like him. He wants us to look like Jesus. He wants us to reflect the character of Jesus in everything that we think, everything that we do. And what he wants us to do is to be sure because here's the, the true issue. The more we look like Jesus, the better it is. The more that we look like him, the better we're able to be salt and light to the world around us. So this is uh, Romans 8, 29. It says, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that might be the firstborn among many brethren. Now I'm going to read, this is a, another passage. This is Ephesians chapter 4. Verse 11, said, he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why did he give these? For the equipping of the saints, for the work of ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we come to the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God to a perfect man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we should no longer be children tossed to and fro, carried about by every wind of doctrine, by the trickery of men, in the cunning craftiness or deceitfulness of plotting, but speaking the truth in love may grow up in all things into him who is the head Christ. So that's the point. God's plan and purpose is to grow us up. He wants us to grow up and look like him. This is how we represent him on earth. We want to do what he did, but we also want to look the way that he looked and the way he acted. That's how we influence and we make, uh, and that we are actually successful. So that is God's plan. So understanding the wilderness season is so very, very important for us because otherwise we'll interpret it incorrectly 
and we will not respond the way that God wants us to respond. So that's what the purpose is all about the wilderness. Everybody goes through a wilderness. I said that in the previous sessions. Nobody misses the wilderness. Jesus went for 40 days. Moses, as I said yesterday, uh, the last time I, I shared one of my sessions, he went through for 40 years. You know, the truth is, Moses went to the wilderness for two 40-year times because he was in the wilderness 40 years before he took the children of Israel into the wilderness for 40 years. You look at any Bible character, and you're going to find a time of testing that they went into the wilderness. If you look at Joseph, that what he went through. If you look at David, David was anointed king, and then he had to run from Saul for many years before he was actually anointed and brought back in. Paul, if you read about Paul, he himself went away. So my point is, is that there's always this testing that's going on. Now, I want to just sort of review the story of Israel. Uh, so just for your benefit, children of Israel, uh, Joseph went down to Egypt, and God used him to, to really save his whole family. The children of Israel moved to Egypt. They multiplied greatly, and it says, unfortunately, the pharaohs changed, and they became slaves. They were there for nearly 400 years, or 400 years, and they began to cry out to God, and God delivered them, and he took them out, and he, brought, he was going to take them out to take them in. Let me read this. This is Exodus 13, 17, and 18. It came to pass when Pharaoh had let the people go that God did not lead them by the way of the land of the Philistines, although there was near. For God said, lest perhaps the people change their minds when they see war and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the wilderness of the Red Sea. And you go, well, what's that all about? Well, here's the deal. The promised land we think of as being something that there's no problems. Well, the truth was is that there were enemy in the promised land. For the children of Israel to be able to possess the promised land, they had to get the Egypt thinking out of them because they had been raised up in Egypt. They thought like Egyptians. They thought like slaves. Actually, they thought like orphans. And God has to get that out of them so that they could go in and possess the land. Um, no different than us. We're born in sin. We need to be born again. And the problem is, is that because we're, we're depending on how long we've lived in the world, according to the world's ways, we think like the world, we act like the world. And even though we may be born again and come into the fullness of Christ, we still have a lot of worldly thinking, worldly action. We have all this stuff in us, just like the children of Israel did. They thought like Egypt. Now, you think about that. They were there for a long time. Those generations had been there. Ultimately, they were in captivity and bondage. So God's plan is for all of us to take us into the promised land. That is not a place where there's no problems. It is not a problem-free living he's asking us to do. He's asking us to join him in his ministry of setting the captives free and freeing people. We live in a land that really the whole world lies in the sway of the evil one. So God's got to get us in shape. And, and that's really what the point is. He's got to get that slave mentality, that orphan mentality, that, that performance orientation of I've got to perform to be accepted. All that stuff, he's got to get it out of us so that we can get his love and his identity of who we are in him so that we can represent him the way that he wants to be represented. So why is the wilderness? Well, Deuteronomy 8 let me just read this to you. It's such an important passage. 
because it explains exactly what was going on and why the wilderness. This is Deuteronomy chapter 8. I'm just going to begin to, to read in verse 1. It says, Every commandment which I command you today, you must be careful to observe that you may live and multiply and go in and possess the land which the Lord swore to your fathers. Same thing for us today. God wants us to do the same thing. It's the same way we do it. We he wants us to live. He wants us to multiply. He wants us to possess the land. He wants us to represent him. And then verse 2 says, You shall remember that the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness to humble you, to test you, to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you. He allowed you to hunger, fed you with manna, which you did not know, nor did your fathers know, that he might make you know that man does not live by bread alone, but man lives by every word that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. Years ago, I read that passage, and I asked um, a seasoned minister, and I said, you know, that's an interesting passage. He said, yeah, you're right. It is. He said, by the way, do you think that God knows what's in your heart? I said, you know, more than likely he does. He goes, he does. He goes, you know, the problem is you don't know what's in your heart. That's the problem. So what God is trying to do is that he is trying to reveal what's in us that's not of him so that we can get out what's not of him so we can get what is of him in so that we can begin to live in agreement with him. How do you do that? By the word that proceeds from the mouth of God. That's what he's designed for us. So three things here we, we can clearly understand in verse two. Number one, the reason for the wilderness is that he humbled them. Why is that important? We're going to talk about that in a minute because pride is a killer. But humility releases the grace of God. We need the grace of God. The second thing is he tested them. And, and again, he's not, not to test from the standpoint of trying to hurt us. What a test does is it reveals where you are. In school, they'll say, we're going to give a test. Now, the test is not to hurt you, scare you, or anything. It's just show, really, how good is a teacher? How much have you received? Do you retain? Do you understand the material? So what a test does is that God is trying to say, look, I'm trying to show you something. What he's trying to show you is your heart. And so that's what the purpose of the wilderness is. He already knows what's there. We don't. So he's trying to show us. Now, this is another verse in Deuteronomy. This is Deuteronomy verse uh, chapter 8. Verse 16, he said, He fed you in the wilderness with manna, which your fathers did not know, that he might humble you and that he might test you, and listen to this, to do you good in the end. See, God is good. God is always good. Everything he has in his heart is good. He has no bad in him. He has no bad plan for you. He has nothing but good for both of us, all of us. It, it, that, that he, he want, we are blessed, and he wants us to be blessed. He wants to do good. Why? So that we can do good. He wants to pour into us so that we can then pour out to others. Again, we're representing him on earth. Uh, he has chosen to reveal himself through Jesus. Jesus came and lived so that we could see God. Because that's what he said. If you've seen me, you've seen the Father. So we couldn't see God any other way. So he put on flesh and he dwelt among us and he he literally revealed himself to us. So he says, okay, now it's good that I go for if I don't go, the Holy Spirit won't come. And when he comes, he's going to guide you, direct you, and lead you. 
Why? Because now you are to represent God on earth. You are the embodiment of Christ. So, bottom line is, how much do we look like Christ? Do we really embrace everything that he has for us? Again, correct perspective, it helps us to understand that, wait a minute, God's not angry with us. He's not upset with us. He's trying to help us to get ourselves conformed to his image. Again, the more that we look like him, again, I'm not talking about problem-free living. The promised land was a land of milk and honey flowing with all this wonderful stuff, but there were giants in the land. It's a picture for us today to understand that we live in a world that's still stained by sin and sickness and death. He's not trying to get us out of here. He's trying to get us to live in victory in the midst of this. He's trying to get us to represent him just as he did when he came and walked on the earth. He set the captives free. He healed people. He he presented and showed what God really looks like. And he demonstrated his love by going to the cross and paying the ultimate price so that we could be reconciled and our lives redeemed and forgiven. So that's God's plan. God is always, he's, he's for good. He's always for good. Now, what is God really wanting? Okay, this is what I mentioned a minute ago. He humbled them. And um, why? Why is that such an important issue? When it says the first thing he did, he humbled them. Well, the reason is because God's after our heart. He is not after our performance. He is after our heart. He wants us to love him with all of our heart, all of our mind, and all of our soul, all of our strength. He loves us. He loved us with all of his heart. He didn't withhold his only son, but he gave him. In fact, he could have, he said because of his godliness, he could have prayed, but he said, no, I've submitted and I've gone to the cross and died for you, for me. He gave himself. So what does it say? Pride is a killer. What pride does is say, I don't need anything. I already know. I don't need anything from you. I'm, I'm fine. Uh, God says he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Let me read this out of Philippians. This is, the, this is what it says of Jesus. Philippians chapter 2, verses 5 through 8. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in the appearance of the man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on the cross. Wow. I mean, that's amazing. And so if Jesus himself humbled himself to the degree that he took on humanity and he even went to the cross to die for us, if we're going to follow Jesus, we've got to understand the power of humility. And a lot of times we don't understand either one. The, the, the difficulties of pride blocks us. This is 1 Peter. Let me just um, turn over here to 1 Peter and read the entire passage. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Likewise, you younger people, submit yourselves to your elders. Yes, all of you, be submissive to one another and be clothed with humility. Wow. So what he's saying is, is that, look, you know, this is how you live. You live in humility. Because he goes on to say, because God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. 
Well, I have enough problems of myself without needing God to resist me. You know, so that's why this is such an important issue. Again, this is God's word. This is his plan. He can make it any way he wants to. So he says to him, he says to us, pride is a problem. See, I think that's what happened with, with Satan. Um, pride in his heart, he wanted to be really worship like God. I said, no, there's only one and not going to work. So the issue is, is that pride, God literally resists us. He, he resists us, and what humility does, he releases grace. Well, I can tell you, we need his grace. We need all the grace that we can get. We need his favor, his blessing, whatever you want to call it. We need his empowering to help us live a life that he wants us to live. But that pride thing comes in because that's the nature of the devil himself. It comes in, and it just blocks everything. So back to the wilderness. The reason for the wilderness, the reason for the testing that we go through is God's trying to reveal our heart and making sure that we do not have any pride in our lives. So, so you think about that, that's pretty important. Now, <clears throat> I want to talk about the right responses to the wilderness. Now, this is, um, I'm going to read this out of James, and we'll look at James uh, for the next couple of uh, minutes. This is James chapter 1, verse 2. My brethren, okay, now when he says that, he's talking to us. He's talking to believers. Count it all joy when you fall into various trials. I'm sure we all do that. Uh, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, we mostly don't. We don't like that. We don't like falling in trials. We don't like falling in temptation. We don't like falling in difficult times. It says, count it all joy, knowing that the testing of your faith produces patience, and that patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. Wow. So again, we're back to the same thing. The whole point of basic training, of understanding going through the wilderness, which is God's workout room, is what's it designed for? Not to hurt us. He's not trying to cause us problems. He's trying to get us to change the way we think and to recognize that, wait a minute, this is given to me as an opportunity for me to look like Christ. Once I embrace that, then I can embrace what he's doing. Instead of looking at it like, oh, woe is me. What's going on? I hate all this stuff. Why does it always happen to me? God's trying to say, no, no, no. You're looking at it from the wrong perspective. Humble yourself and let my grace be released in your life. Embrace what's happening so that I can reveal those things in your heart that are not supposed to be there and help you move along so that you look like me. The more you look like me, the more you're going to enjoy what enjoy me and enjoy representing me on earth. That's God's plan. I'll say it one more time. Everybody goes through a wilderness. It's a time of testing. Everybody. The issue is not whether or not you go through it. The issue is how are we going to respond? Always the case, how do we respond? When we understand that God's plan, we need to all, and that's what humility does. Humility comes in and says, oh, okay. Wow, Lord, I don't like this. I don't understand it. Help me to have your grace and help me to see it from your perspective so that I don't react or respond incorrectly. Because see, God's plan is that we lack nothing. That's what it says. 
But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect or mature, actually what it actually means, and complete, lacking nothing. Now, that's God's heart. He always has good for us. He does not want us to, to, um, to stumble through this. Now, here's, here's one of the things we need to understand. We never fail God's tests. We just get to keep taking them over and over. So a lot of times we'll say, why does this keep happening to me? Well, maybe we're not learning what God is wanting us to learn. A lot of times we get into situations and we go, I don't know, why does this keep happening to me? Well, God is wanting us to humble ourselves, ask him, and say, Lord, what are you doing in this so that I can agree with you and not just be upset and and always out of sorts? Let's find out what is God doing. I'm telling you, he's always trying to show you something in your heart. He's trying to he's, he's got good for us. He's proven his love. He went to the cross and died for us. He is good. He's not sort of good. He is good. So he always has good for us. So we've got to understand this. So let me go at it from this perspective. No matter what's happening in our life, you've got to look, you've got to be careful how you look at it. For example, James chapter 1, verse 12. Blessed is the man who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. Let no one say he is tempted. I'm tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he himself tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and he's enticed. When the desire has conceived, he gives birth to sin, and sin when it's full grown brings forth death. Do not be deceived my beloved brethren. Very clearly, he's talking to believers. What he's saying is, you've got to understand that when something happens in your life, what you've got to do is recognize right off that God does not tempt us to evil. So what is that going on? Well, he's saying you're drawn away by your own desires and enticed. So the problem is, again, God is trying to show you what's in you. So no matter what the event is, let's just take out just don't worry about what it, whatever it is. The ultimate goal is that God is trying to show you what's in your heart. But I'm going to tell you something. The enemy is also trying to entice you to do evil. He is trying to tempt you to do evil, and God is trying to reveal your heart. Why is this important? Well, to understand the wilderness, you need to understand a lot of the things that we go through, they're, they're both forces working here. We can yield to the enemy, get upset. We can go negative, and it's not going to produce anything. Or we can go, Lord, what are you doing? Help me see this. Give you some examples. Let me tell you before that. God does not tempt you to evil. There is no evil in God. He cannot do evil. Uh, If there's evil coming out of us, it's in us. And the enemy knows how to access that. God's trying to say, I want it out of here If you yield to me and receive my forgiveness and walk in my way, you can get free. If you yield to the enemy who's trying to get that thing in your heart to yield to him, you're going to go the wrong way. That's why I said you never never fail God's test. You just keep checking them over and over because God is after your heart. Okay, let me just take an example here. Let's talk about being offended. What happens when there's an offense that comes, it's easy for us to immediately... We get, wow, we get agitated. 
We get angry. We hold what you know, it goes into unforgiveness. We have a hard time. But at the same time, you realize that there's nothing, that's not God doing that. He's not causing you to be offended. He's not causing you to death. It's the enemy, always trying to get you to be offended. So what we've got, oh, we've got an offense here. And you could be clearly offended, could be clearly maligned. You could really, it could be a real deal. I'm not saying it's not because there's, there's a lot of hurt and pain in this world. It's your response to what happened to you and is happening to you that determines the outcome. And so what happens is God is saying, oh, you, you've got some issues in there that you can have the opportunity to grow and to be more Christ-like. You have an opportunity to take the hurt and to forgive, take the, the abuse and to bless, and you've got an opportunity to overcome evil with good. You've got an opportunity to be like me, like on the cross, Jesus said, forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Wow. He forgave us all of our sin. He has forgiven us a debt that we could not pay. If There's no possible way we could pay it. So we've got an opportunity here. So regardless of what's going on, we can get offended. We can get upset. We hold unforgiveness. We get angry, get bitter. We can do whatever because it's in us. God is sitting there going, hey, give that to me. Let my love fill you. Let my forgiveness fill you so that you can release forgiveness and you can get free. And that's what God's plan is. Again, the more we look like Christ, the more that we'll be able to represent him. So, you know, this is what God is wanting us to do. You're going to be offended. You're going to be hurt. You're going to be wounded. You're going to be maligned. You're going to be all those kind of things are going to happen. So again, it's, it's really one event but there can be two outcomes. And so what we always want, we want God's outcome. That's what he really wants. Now, just real briefly, let me just say this. You know, I don't think God gives us sickness. I don't think he puts sickness on us. I don't think that's something from God. There is no sickness in him. There's no sickness in heaven. There's no sickness. He doesn't put sickness on us. Sickness is part of the sin that's in this world. But at the same time, we get sick. Now, I don't believe that sickness is from God. I don't believe that, I believe he's a good father. And why do, why do people get sick and die? Because sickness and death are still in this world. But we still need to respond appropriately. We need to believe that by his stripes we're healed, and we just need to believe for healing, and we can believe for healing. Now, I want to pray for us, and I want to believe that God's going to help us to understand the wilderness. Father, we love you and bless you. And I ask you to help all of us to understand the times of testing that we go through. Help us to see things from your perspective. Help us to view things in a humble heart and recognize that you told us to humble ourselves. So it's up to us. And we obviously can, or you wouldn't have told us to. So Lord, help us to see from your perspective. Help us to receive your truth. Help us to walk in your way. We want to be conformed to your image. We want to grow up. We, we know you've got good for us. So I just pray now for everyone that is watching this, that Lord, you'd help us to embrace the testing, the trials, the wilderness that's in our life so that we can be conformed to your image. And we bless you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this timely message. Pastor Terry and Susan Moore had a life-changing encounter with the Lord in August of 1982. 
they opened their home to a Bible study, which turned into a church now located in Carrollton, Texas. They have never been the same and hope that you encounter Christ in a real way. For more, connect to jterrymore.org.